Well, welcome. Welcome along, everyone. Uh, it's good to have you. If you're following with us online, if you're here in the building, uh, a very warm welcome to you, especially if this is your first time here. Uh, a welcome to you. Uh, please do stay afterwards for refreshments in the back hall. We'll have some, some tea and coffee there, too. As we come uh, to worship the Lord now, let us just uh, take a moment just to quieten our hearts and to steady ourselves, um, and then I'll pray as we open. Lord God, our Father in heaven, thank you that we can come before you, that we can come before the God of the universe, the Lord who is holy, 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 that we can come before you and lay our burdens before you and lift up our hearts and our voices to you. We pray that you would help us, Lord, by your spirit to be transformed into the image of your son, that we would sing your praises and live for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, well, the, the children are in uh, S Club this morning, and uh, Joanna Ramsey is going to uh, be teaching them. So I'm going to invite up uh, Joanna uh, to come up and just share a little bit about, um, about what uh, the children will be, will be doing, uh, doing there. So, Joanna. Thanks very much, Colin. Um, so over the summer, the children are going to be looking at some of the parables in Matthew. Um, and today we're going to be looking at the parable of the sower. So we'll be thinking about the truth that we all know, right? That when we tell people about Jesus and the good news that he offers, people have very different reactions. Some people are very positive. Some people seem positive at first. Some reactions are quite negative. And Jesus prepares us for that um, in this parable. But also, wonderfully, we'll be looking at how we're free to share that gospel, that good news, generously and joyfully, um, God is the one who's in control, and he's the one who changes people's hearts and lives. Um, and we don't need to worry about that. We can just share the gospel freely. So that's what we'll be looking at in S Club today. Fantastic. Well, John is going to uh, pray for the children, um, and we're then going to sing. And once, once we've sung, uh, the children obviously go out to, to S Club upstairs. Impact will we'll stay in, and there'll be a creche in the back hall. So, John, I can ask you to, to pray for the children. Yeah, please. absolutely. Pleasure. Uh, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for each of the children in this church, for those that are away on holiday, and particularly for those who are here today. We pray that you will give them ears to hear and eyes to see and hearts that understand and that are changed and transformed by you. Amen. We're going to, um, we're going to have our Bible reading shortly. Uh, Martha's going to read uh, Genesis uh, chapter 40. We're also going to look at chapter 41 as well, but we're only going to read uh, Genesis chapter 40. Um, quite familiar passages, uh, but we will read those uh, shortly. Uh, Kathy is going to, going to lead us in prayer, uh, and then I'll preach. So let me invite Kathy up to pray for us. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Heavenly Father, as we come to you in prayer, please show us your glory. There is none like you, O Lord. You are great, and your name is great in might. Who would not fear you, O King of the nations? For this is your due. For among all the wise ones of the nations and in all their kingdoms, there is none like you. It is you who made the earth by your power, who established the world by your wisdom, and by your understanding stretched out the heavens. When you utter your voice, there is a tumult of waters in the heavens, and you make the mist rise from the ends of the earth. 
You make lightning for the rain, and you bring forth the wind from the storehouses. For your name's sake and for your glory, Lord, remember your promises and hear our prayers. Lord, we thank you for the work of Challenge Ministries Swaziland and the recent blessings they have experienced. Thank you especially for the joy of seeing nine young women come to faith. Bless them as they seek to be a blessing to others. We recognize, Lord, that like so much of the world, Swaziland has been crippled by inflation. Please would you bless the inflation alleviation appeal as CMS seeks to raise much-needed funds to continue to reach those most in need. Thank you for the opportunity that Alan Esam has to go to Romania on Friday. Please give him safety as he travels and use him to be a blessing to Pastor Julian and all the Christians he meets with, especially as he preaches on James chapter 2 next Sunday. Enable him to preach that word with boldness. Closer to home, we ask for your blessing on the contact ministry, now taking a summer break. Please continue to bring joy to those who serve, delight to all who attend, and growing opportunities to share the gospel with those in their later years. We pray especially for family and friends of Margaret Burt, whose funeral will be on Wednesday. Please give Jeff Stedman your words of comfort and hope for all who attend. Please would you pour out your spirit on John Billet as he preaches this morning and evening at Verwood Road Evangelical Church and on James Hughes as he preaches here this evening. May your word run and be glorified in those services. Bless all who are at Keswick this week and all who will attend Christian camps this summer, both as leaders and campers. Cause faith to grow and open the eyes of any who do not yet know you so that they might see your reality and the call you have on their lives. Please continue to have your healing hand on Roz Dodwell, recovering from yesterday's surgery, and on any others who are facing physical or mental health challenges. Renew hope in the face of troubles. Many people across the Mediterranean region are facing fear and loss because of the wildfires. Please help the firefighters to be effective. Bless all who are reaching out to meet sudden needs and cause these challenges to remind people of your power and glory. As we come to your word now, have your hand on Martin as he reads to us and on Colin as he preaches, that they would be clear and compelling. Give us ears to hear that we might grow in faith and in our love for you. If there are any here who do not yet know you as Savior and Lord, would you be pleased to use this time to bring them to saving faith for their joy and your glory? For we come to you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our reading this morning is from Genesis chapter 40. And this section is entitled, The Cupbearer and the Baker. Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. After they had been in custody for some time, 
Each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, Why do you look so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered, but there's no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, In my dream I saw a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed, and its clustered clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and put the cup in his hand. This is what it means, Joseph said to him. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position, and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh. Get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favourable interpretation, he said to Joseph, I too had a dream. On my head there were three baskets of bread. In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh. But the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. This is what it means, Joseph said. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and impale your body on a pole. And the birds will eat away your flesh. Now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday. And he gave a feast for all his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of all his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that once again he put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he impaled the chief baker, just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Thank you, Martin. Please do, uh, if you have a Bible there, please do keep it open um, as we we go through it together. Let's pray as we come to God's Word. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would help us to see uh, your hand at work in our lives, uh, that we would be able to trust you more, uh, to live for you, to live for your glory as we see you at work in our hearts and in our lives. This we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. When you read the the story of Joseph and the struggles that he faced, the injustices that he went through, the pain that he experienced, it may really make you ask the question both of his life and of ours. What in the world is going on? What in the world is going on? Why are things like they are? Why do things happen in the world the way that they do? And where is God in all of this? 
Because it really seems as we, as we look around in the world today that we are more connected in the history of the world than we have ever been. And yet we're far more lonely than we've ever been. We're wealthier and healthier than ever. And yet the suicide rate in the country is far higher than it's ever been. For many people, um, sex is something which is far more available. And yet at the same time, people are starving for intimacy. Addiction is rife in many people's lives with, with drugs, with pornography, with alcohol, gambling, with food, and many other things. Issues with anxiety, depression, and self-harm have risen, especially since COVID. And many people are, are just simply struggling, struggling with mental health challenges, with physical health challenges. As many in our world are, are just asking the question, what is going on? Where might we find an answer to what could be described as a quiet desperation that many people face? Well, let me give you an answer right at the start. The answer to modern-day despair is found in God. The answer to modern-day despair is found in God. Where the world provides a black hole, God provides light. Because as we'll see in chapter 40 and 41 of Genesis, God is in control. God is in control and he is at work in Joseph's life. And he is in control and at work in our life too. As we'll discover really that we can trust that God is in control. We can trust that God is in control because ultimately God interprets the chaos of our world. God interprets the chaos of our world. The story of Joseph, as we've seen in the past couple of weeks, going through the series in Genesis, it begins in Genesis chapter 37. And as we've seen, his life has not been easy. Joseph's brothers, well, they're jealous of him, jealous because his father loved him more than they loved them. And so they made a plan to sell him into slavery and carry them off. He was carried off to Egypt. But throughout all that, the Lord was with him and gave him success in all that he did. And yet, even in this, he was thrown into prison, having been falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, making advances towards her. But even there, we saw that the Lord was with him. The Lord was with him in the pit of prison. And that's really where we pick up uh, the story in chapter 40. As it says that sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of Pharaoh, well, they, they make Pharaoh angry. We're not told exactly what it is that they do that makes him angry. Uh, it could have been that uh, he was suspecting them to have poisoned them, the cupbearer and the baker. But we're not really sure. He maybe just was suspicious. And so he throws them into prison. And they both have this dream on the same night. And yet we're told they are sad and dejected because it says in verse 8 that they have no one to interpret their dreams. They're in prison with no access to anyone. And then you look at, uh, on to chapter 41, you see that Pharaoh also, that he has a dream. Uh, and in verse 8 of chapter 41, that he was troubled because despite having access to all the magicians and wise men of Egypt, nobody could interpret his dreams. 
So what is the point of these two episodes? Well, it's summed up in in chapter 40, verse 8, where the two prisoners, they say to Joseph, they say this, we both had dreams, they answered, but there's no one to interpret them. And then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God. Tell me your dreams. God speaks to Joseph earlier in Genesis in a dream. And we see that as you read throughout the Bible, God does reveal himself to people through dreams. But what really is the true purpose, the true result and meaning of these two episodes? Well, it is ultimately to show who has authority. Who has the final word? Who is it that we use to interpret the world? Now, God, he can speak to us in dreams. And if you hear stories of missionaries, especially in Africa or Asia, you hear of so many Muslims who have visions of Jesus that lead them to to speak to a Christian, that lead them to a church, and that ultimately lead them to faith. But normally, God would speak to us through his word and by his spirit, as he's spoken to us finally and fully through the Lord Jesus, through his son. Because it's God who interprets our lives and our world. He has the final say. He has the final word in our lives. In that day, many people, well, they relied on local gods, on on pagan gods to protect them and to bless them. But I wonder today, where do people turn to try and interpret their life? Where do people go? The writings of uh, the famous uh, atheists like Richard Dawkins, uh, Christopher Hitchens, and others, though they don't seem very popular at the moment because nobody really has sufficient or quite appropriate or they're not happy with the answers that they give. People don't find solutions in atheism. And then we have the recent revelation of UFOs and extraterrestrial life. And so many people are asking the question, well, is there anyone out there? Is there anyone out there beyond us? Are we really alone in the world? Is this just it? Maybe for others, though, they're trying to find themselves not outside, but inside. Trying to somehow reinvent ourselves, find our own purpose, our own meaning, our own identity in some way. And yet it doesn't lead to freedom. It actually crushes us. Because we are called to interpret our own lives the way that we think is right. We don't know how to do that. But ultimately, God, he has the final word. He is the one that interprets our life. He's the one that brings us freedom, not slavery. Ultimately, it is God who interprets the chaos of our world. And secondly, we we can really trust that God is in control because God shapes us in our trials as you look at the rest of chapter 40 from verse 9 to the end uh, we see that the cupbearer and the baker both tell jesus their dreams joseph he gives the the first interpretation that the cupbearer will be restored to his place in the palace at the right hand of the king and so the the baker well he is emboldened uh, by this favorable interpretation and so he tells joseph his dream But his dream, it doesn't lead to his restoration. It leads to his execution. Because that's exactly what happens is the Pharaoh, he lifts up his head and lifts up his body 
on a pole. He impales him and executes him. And so in light of the fact that the cupbearer is restored to his position, the baker is executed, just as, Je- just as Joseph has said, then, jo- then Joseph uh, asked the cupbearer to help him. As he says in verse 14 and 15, but when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews. And even here, I've done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. I don't know if you've been following the news recently, but there was a man who was proven innocent after serving 17 years in prison. And the twist in the tale is having been compensated for those 17 years, he's now been asked to pay for all his board and lodging, all his food in those 17 years in jail. It seems quite cruel. It seems really unfair being punished for something that you didn't do twice, if you like. And you could imagine, really, in a sense, that's what could be the, the mindset of Joseph. Why am I in prison? Why am I here? I've done nothing wrong. Not only that, I've actually been helpful to people. It is not fair. Because despite Joseph's interpreting of the dreams, he asked the cupbearer to remember him. And this is what he says in verse 23. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. He forgot him, as you read into chapter 41, for two years. He's in prison for two years, having done a favor, waiting on that favor to come his way, but it never does in those two years. How would you respond in that time? I don't know about you, but two minutes, someone doesn't respond to a text. Sometimes you get anxious. What about two days, two weeks, two months? two years you do something and you don't get a response how would you respond anger bitterness i'm in this pit of prison wrongly accused and i have been forgotten absolutely forgotten maybe the temptation would be to say well look god after all that i have done for you where is mine that is not fair I've done all this for you and you have not delivered for me. Because this is really where the test comes in our Christian life. Where our Christian faith meets the road of reality. As one commentator, he says, disappointments are essential for spiritual growth because they demand faith. They demand faith. As God uses the dark times in Joseph's life to prepare him for what is next. It is the fire that God uses to refine us. Because even in the darkest moments of our lives, God is at work. God is at work in your life. He he hasn't left the world just to spin on its own, but the Lord is totally in control of everything. He's in control of the whole world, and he is at work in every part of our lives for our good and his glory. That is what often is called the providence of God. That God is in control, that he's in sovereign control of everything, but that he is providentially working in our lives in every single detail. 
even the things that are wicked, even the things that we think, how can God possibly use this? He does so because he is at work in our lives. Just as Joseph says to his brothers later in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. Recently, I was listening to a podcast by Sinclair Ferguson, and he talks about the providence of God, like reading the language of Hebrew. In English, he says, we read English left to right, but in Hebrew, you read it right to left. Because ultimately, the only way to understand Hebrew and to understand God's providence is to read it backwards. To read it backwards. Only when you look back can you see, ah, yes, I see God's hand at work in my life. I see how he has used that in my life. And because of that, we can be patient. Patient when things go wrong. When we have a plan but it doesn't go the way that we would hope. We can be patient. We can be thankful to God because we know that he is in control and is at work in our lives. Even in the darkest times, he is at work. And we can be confident as well. We can be bold for the Lord because we know that he is truly in control. He's in control of every single detail of our lives. And that's just what the apostle James says. He says that all of our trials all of our trials are used to, to produce perseverance. And then he says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The Lord works in everything in our life, in every single detail, both in the good and in the bad. Because the hard times you may be experiencing right now or may experience at some point in your life, they're not worthless. They're not meaningless. They're not for no reason. God is at work in your life. God is at work in your life. And he is doing it for your good and his glory. And so we can trust him. We can trust that God is in control because he interprets the chaos of our world. He, He shapes us in the trials of our lives. And thirdly, God empowers us to be bold and wise. As you look into chapter 41 and then verse 9, we see that the, the chief cupbearer, well, he's reminded of his shortcomings and remembers Joseph and what Joseph might do for Pharaoh as he helped the cupbearer. And so Joseph, so Pharaoh has, has Joseph, uh, he has him take a, a shave and he gives him new clothes, what would probably be royal clothes to stand before Pharaoh the king. Now, the pressure to conform for Joseph must have been massive. It is Pharaoh that liberates him, that frees him out of prison. He gives him a new look, new clothes, dressed up nice and pretty. And Joseph has experienced that because of the hand of Pharaoh, because of the power that Pharaoh wields. Because Pharaoh seems to rule everything and everyone. In fact, Pharaoh, he would have considered himself a god at that time. The question is, would Joseph buckle under the pressure to conform, standing before Pharaoh, who considers himself a god? Well, you see Joseph's response. As he explains the two dreams, he talks about the seven years of abundance and followed by the seven years of famine. 
And then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. God has revealed this, not me. God has spoken this and it will happen. Not me. It's not my word. It's God's word. I wonder perhaps, do you, do you at times feel the pressure to conform? You think of Joseph standing before Pharaoh, the king who has power over him. The pressure to conform in a place where someone has authority over you. Maybe it's at school or, or at work. That people, at times, they might just think you're a nice person, but do they know that you are a Christian? Are you bold enough to tell them? Or when something is done at work and someone who has authority over you, they do something that you know is not right, will you say something about it? Will you speak to them? Because whether you are 14 or 54, the pressure to conform to those who have power over you is strong. Be that in business or whatever you may be, whether that's in school or at home with your neighbors. Because God makes Joseph bold and he can make us bold too. He also provides wisdom. And Joseph, he tells Pharaoh what will happen and what should be done. So he says, take a fifth or take 20% of the year's harvest so that there'll be plenty in the years of famine. And Pharaoh, well, he thought it was a fantastic idea. And so he says in verse 38 to 39, Pharaoh asked him, can we find anyone like this man who in whom, who, one in whom is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. The spirit of God can also be translated gods. As Pharaoh thought that Joseph, well, he had some kind of spirit helping him. But ultimately, it was the spirit of the living God. It was God that was helping him to be bold and to be wise, to foresee things that no one else could. Because Joseph had the Lord guiding him and the Lord empowering him to speak what is true and to be led in wisdom. As Paul writes in Timothy to Timothy, we too can have the same thing because for the spirit of God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. God gives us wisdom by his spirit to make wise choices, to be discerning in life. He gives us power to be able to share the gospel and to be bold. And his spirit is not one of fear of timidity in life, but one of love, power, and self-control. And because the spirit of God dwells in us, we need not fear. Because God is with us by his spirit, we need not fear what tomorrow will bring. God has got it. God is with you. I once read in a head teacher's office when I was in Italy, it said, God exists and you're not him. Relax. And that is so true. God is in control. And God will empower you and be wise, help you to be wise in this life as well. Because lastly, as you trust that God is in control, God provides a feast, not a famine. And the big picture really, as we look at Joseph's life, we see what, what God is doing. As Joseph, well, he interprets dreams. 
He told them what they mean, and he, he told them, and even Pharaoh, uh, what they mean. And Pharaoh admits in verse 39 that it is God that has made it known to you. And so Pharaoh, well, he put Joseph in charge of everything. He gave Joseph a wife, and they had two children. They named them specific names significant of what happened in Joseph's life. As ultimately, God, he used Joseph as an instrument to save many people from famine. To save them and provide abundantly for the whole known world at that time. Because through Joseph, God provided abundantly. Truly, we, we see a glimmer of, of what the Lord does. He, he works in Joseph's life and he foreshadows, Joseph foreshadows someone who would provide far more abundantly than him because just like joseph jesus was a young hebrew man who began his ministry at 30 when he came before the rulers of the day he was falsely accused and as the spirit of god gave him strength he spoke truth to power and yet he was given the guilty verdict an innocent man condemned to death. And so, like the baker, Jesus was lifted up. He was lifted up and put on a pole, nailed to a Roman cross, bearing the punishment that our sins deserve. The innocent for the guilty, the righteous one for the unrighteous. As the Lord Jesus was crucified, Put to death and then placed in the pit of the tomb. He was buried, he was dead and forgotten. But three days later, God remembered him as he rose from the dead, raised, restored, and ascended at the right hand of the King, the Lord God Almighty, the Father in heaven. And now all authority has been given to Jesus Christ over heaven and earth. He reigns over the whole world. And just like Joseph, the call was to go to Joseph to find food from the harvest and be fed in the famine. But unlike Joseph, we need not buy. We need not buy grain because Jesus has paid the price. Because he says, I am, he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. Friends, the famine of our weary souls is found and finds its satisfaction in Jesus. He brings us into an eternal relationship with God by forgiving us all of our sins, that we would know the gift of eternal life. To find Jesus is to find food in a famine. We're exhausted by the burdens that we carry in our lives. We're exhausted by the strains and struggles of our own sin. And so the call is to come, not to Joseph, but to Jesus. To come to him and find food for your soul. 
Because the answer to our modern day despair is found in Jesus. Because Jesus satisfies our starving souls. Jesus satisfies our starving souls. So friend, if you don't know Jesus, won't you come to know him this morning? To be satisfied, to have that life in him, to know eternal life, to trust in him and find that satisfaction for your own soul. If you'd like to speak to me about that, I'll be on the door afterwards. It'd be wonderful to talk to you. Perhaps though you are striving in your own life, just striving to prove yourself in different ways, in so many different ways, with all the burdens that you may carry, and trying to, to do things for everyone else, just to try and help them, perhaps. The call too for you is to come to Jesus afresh, to know the food that he gives to let your heart be filled with his love, to know his goodness in every part of your life as he delights in giving you abundant life because eternal life is found in Jesus. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you for Jesus who helps us to make sense of this crazy world. We thank you, Lord, that you shape us in and through the trials that we face. We thank you that you are with us in everything. We thank you that you empower us, that you give us wisdom, that you give us boldness. And ultimately, Lord, we thank you that you satisfy our souls in Jesus Christ. And we thank you that in him, he is the bread of life that our souls crave. We pray, Father, that you would help us to feed on him, to delight in him and to cherish all that we enjoy in him. I pray, Lord, if, if some of us here this morning have yet to taste and see that the Lord is good, that they would come to him, that their souls would be filled with the love of God in Jesus Christ. Lord, do that miracle, we pray. In this, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. That brings us to the end of our service. If you'd like to pray with anyone uh, about anything from the service this morning or anything that's on your heart, uh, please do speak to me or perhaps uh, someone beside you. There should be people in the corner there afterwards. If there's not, then please do grab someone. I'm sure they'd be delighted to pray with you. Uh, this evening, we're, we're meeting again at 6 o'clock. Uh, we'll be going through the, the Gospel of, of Mark, continuing through that, and James Hughes will be preaching. Let me close just with the words from Romans 8 as we think of God at work in our lives. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And we thank you, Lord, for this truth. We thank you, Lord, that we can cling to it in times of hardship, in times of darkness, that you are with us, that you are for our good, and you, you are at work. In Jesus' name, we give you praise. Amen.